0: This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com Offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry and you're listening to Trek FM.
1: All these books. I thought I'd take some light reading in case I got bored.
0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Literary Treks, our dedicated Star Trek books and comics show. I'm Christopher Jones, and this week I'm flying solo in news. If you listen to the show regularly, of course, you're expecting me to introduce Matthew Rushing. He's normally here with me. He's on a mission right now. He's been away on a mission for the past week or so. And he'll be gone again for a few more weeks. Last week, we took a week off. We didn't have a show. But I wanted to get some books and comics news out to you guys this week, plus a discussion. So I'm back. And today, filling in for Matthew, is the crew from Earl Grey. Philip Gilfus, Daniel Prue, and Darren Moser, they will be joining me in the feature today. As we discuss some TNG comics from 2000 and 2001, they were published by Wildstorm, and they're titled The Killing Shadows. But before we get into that discussion, I do have a couple of news items for you here. And the first one is about a new e-novella that is coming from Scott Pearson, and this is called The More Things Change. It's going to be dropping on June 23rd, so just a couple of weeks to go. And StarTrek.com has a new exclusive first look at the cover on their website right now. And as with the previous E-Novellas that we've gotten, this one also has a beautiful cover if you're a fan of the original Enterprise Movie Refit ship, which is still to this day my favorite Enterprise. In fact, I have my new Starships Collection 1701 Movie Refit sitting right in front of me right now. As I record, we're finally getting those here in Japan. Well, on this cover, you see the 1701 headed towards a nebula with a very bright light. Of course, I'm sure it's coming from a star, but it almost reminds you of the stories of the moment of death, and you see the bright light, and you're going to go through the tunnel. It almost feels like that is shining towards the Enterprise, and the Enterprise is going to fly right in there. So, we will see, but what the actual story is here, it takes place about six months after the events of Star Trek The Motion Picture. But it ties into a character element that comes much further down the road on the Star Trek timeline, at least in the form of Dax, but it's not about Jadzia Dax, and it's not about Ezri Dax. It's about Audrid Dax. For those who are not fully steeped in the mythos of Deep Space Nine and the backstory of those characters, Audrid Dax was the fourth host of the Dax Symbiont, and she actually became the head of the Trill Symbiosis Commission. We got to see her being played, at least, By one of the other characters in the DS9 episode, Facets, where the members of the crew, Jadzia's friends, allowed the past hosts to come out and have a voice. And of course, Audrid was played by Quark. Very funny scenes there with Quark, you know, brushing Jadzia's hair and such. So this is who is going to be in this book. But of course, it's not a DS9 book. It's set right after the motion picture. So the story is that Dr. Christine Chapel and Spock must save the life of an ailing Audrid Dax. And up until this point, the true nature of her existence as a trill had remained a mystery. So we're going to learn what's happening with Audrid here. And of course, it's not that simple, right? Going and, and helping someone, saving A trill, that would be too simple. So there's an unknown vessel that attacks the shuttle carrying Chapel and Spock, and a risky game of cat and mouse may be the only way to save all their lives. Now, this is going to be a 100 page story, so a nice length little e novella. You'll remember that Matthew and I did Seasons of Light and Darkness here on the show a month or two ago when that came out as an e novella. I love the format. I took that book and I just sat down and I just read it straight through. And it was actually longer than this one, I believe. I think it was, don't quote me on this, I think it was 126 pages, something like that, a little over 100. So this is going to be great. Just grab this, sit down, read it straight through. You're going to get a great Chapel and Spock story. And I can't wait to see how Dax plays into this. As I mentioned, it's going to drop on June 23rd. It's going to run $2.99. And if you want to see this cover and get more info, go over to StarTrek.com. They've got the artwork right up there for you. The other news item I have for you today is about the Star Trek Ongoing series. And this is about Ongoing number 33, Lost Apollo Part 1. Now, this came out last week. I believe it was last week. And I really enjoyed reading it. It starts out very differently than what you're expecting because it starts out on Earth with an astronaut who is going to be going on this mission in 1970. It opens at Cocoa Beach, Florida on March 31st, 1970. And then it quickly jumps 291 years into the future with the Enterprise in orbit of planet Henricks V, The Exploration of the Planet really felt like TOS for me. I really, I liked what they were doing with the artwork, and and it gave us that feeling of the original series, maybe a little bit more so than the Abrams verse, which is actually the timeline in which the story is set. Now, I'm not going to really go into the comic here. I'd like to review it, but I would like for Matthew to be here with me when we talk about it. The second part is dropping sometime this month, I presume the final week in June. I actually haven't seen a concrete date yet, but unless it's delayed, it should be dropping at the end of June. In fact, June 25th would be my guess, but we'll see. By the time Matthew's back, I think the second part will have dropped. So what we'll probably do is get both of them, read through them, and talk through them here in news or do a feature on them one or the other, depending on what we think about them and if we really want to go that in-depth into them. But it's it's a nice new addition to the ongoing series, and the ending, let's just say, of course it ends on a cliffhanger because it's part one of two, the ending wasn't any great mystery to me, but it did make me really anxious to find out how what I saw in the final frame came to be. Let's just put it that way. So we'll let you know what we think about it when Matthew gets back. Well, that is all I have for you in news today. So short news segment before we jump into the feature and we talk these TNG comics with the Earl Grey crew, I would like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, and that is Audible.com. They are the best source for audiobooks. We tell you that every single week, but we really, really do mean it. They have so many wonderful books there, new releases, bestsellers, books in science, in business. I actually read, I'm doing air quotes here, a lot of books in the business genre myself. And they have lots of Star Trek books as well. And the book I'd like to recommend to you today is one of my favorite classic Star Trek novels by Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens. And that's Prime Directive. It's one of the ones that I always cite when I say Audible has great, famous Star Trek books. Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World. Prime Directive, it's been a long time since I actually read this book. But it was always one of my favorites, and it's about what happens when Kirk fails to obey the Prime Directive. And we saw that, of course, in Star Trek Into Darkness, since I was just talking about the ongoing comics here. But this goes back further, and Prime Directive tells the story of a planet that they call Kirk's World, which was once a vibrant planet, reduced to a post-nuclear horrorscape scape because of the actions of Captain Kirk. What happens here is you, you always hear, don't go to warp inside a planetary atmosphere. Well, that's what happened in this book. And things turn out really, really poorly for Kirk and the crew. Kirk gets exiled. He gets his command taken away from him. He struggles to regain the command of his ship. His former crew members, they band together to fight for their honor and their careers. And the future of the Enterprise is at stake. And I just mentioned Star Trek Into Darkness. And actually, an interesting thing about this book is that Roberto Orsi, who, of course, wrote Star Trek 2009 and Into Darkness, he actually says this is one of his two favorite Star Trek books. And he actually used scenes from this book to do the casting calls, the readings and the casting calls for the Abramsverse movies. And I actually think this is probably where the whole beginning of Star Trek Into Darkness came from. The whole idea of Kirk, you know, violating the Prime Directive. Not entirely. I mean, they they needed to throw Kirk into that fire so that the character could grow. But given that this is one of Orsi's favorite novels, there's a, a strong connection there. So pick this up. As a Trek FM listener, you can get this book absolutely free. And you can support the show and the network at the same time. All you need to do is to go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up for a trial of Audible. Then choose Prime Directive or any other book you want, and you'll get that absolutely free. And if at the end of the trial you decide not to stick with Audible, you get to keep that book, so there's nothing to lose. But when you try out Audible, the money that we receive from them actually almost covers the cost of hosting literary treks for one entire month. So a simple act of trying out Audible which you're going to love and you're going to want to stick with it and you're going to be able to read all these wonderful books and listen to them as you're exercising and commuting or washing dishes or working or whatever you do, just the simple act of trying them out really means a lot to us here on the network and it really does help us keep our shows coming to you every week. So go try it out. audibletrial.com slash Pick up Prime Directive. Find out why you should always be careful when you go to Warp. And we really thank Audible for their support of Literary Treks and the network. Well, everyone, today, since Matthew is away on his mission, I am being joined by the crew of Earl Grey to discuss some Star Trek comics. So first of all, guys, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Hey. Hello, hello. For the record, it does not take three Earl Grey guys to replace one Matthew, just for the record. (laughs) I just want to be clear.
0: Well you guys are sipping your tea all the time. You know, Matthew's into Ractagino. He's into the real the real hot beverage.
1: oh, oh wait, wait. Does anyone ever order Ractagino hot? I I don't I do not believe so. It is Earl Grey hot. You that thing that thing scalds your tongue.
0: That's because if you want Ractagino that's not hot, you need to specify iced. It's called iced. a racta frappuccino. <laughs>
1: That's right. There, wasn't the barista right next to the tailor shop? Was that?
0: <laughs> Maybe so. So, yes, everyone, from Earl Grey, it is Darren Moser, Daniel Prue, and Philip Gilfus. And today we are going to dive back more than a decade, 14 years, in fact, to some Star Trek The Next Generation comics called The Killing Shadows. This was a four-part series that was published by Wildstorm Comics Released between November 2000 and February 2001, it was the second and the last dedicated TNG comic that Wildstorm published. And as we talk about the story today, we might know why that's the case, (laughs) but we'll find out. (laughs) This is a comic that if you look around for information about the story, you're not going to find very much. Even if you look at Memory Beta, there's pretty much just an acknowledgement that the Killing Shadows exists. There's no story summary. There's no real information about it. It consists of four issues. Issue one, The Trap. Issue two, The Hunted. Issue three, also called The Trap (laughs) for some reason. And issue four, The Secret. So I don't know what was going on there. I actually think that issue three being called The Trap was probably a lettering mistake. It probably had another name. And they just dropped in the same title, The Trap, right there. It never got fixed. I thought it was
1: the trap with two P's. I thought it was going to be the uh, musical uh, edition with all of the children showing up.
0: Maybe maybe that's it. Yes. Well, it's written by Scott Sienson. And I think that issue number three was written by Scott Sienson with two N's, the well-known Dutch comic writer. And also the artist, the pencils are by Andrew Curry, inkers are Brian Hitch, Chris Chuckree, and Digital Chameleon, which I have a feeling is not someone's name, but probably an actual business. Letters by Nagam Zand. Colors by Wildstorm FX. which if it is someone's real name, it's a wonderful coincidence that they worked for Wildstorm. Chris Chukri, and again, Digital Chameleon. And editor is Jeff Marriott. So guys, let's just jump right into the story here. Issue number one, when we do these old comics, we typically just walk through the story. So spoiler alert if you haven't read these yet, but getting your hands on them might be a little bit difficult. We have them from the Star Trek Complete Comics Collection DVD set. So we're reading them off of PDF, which means that we get all the fantastic ads from 2000, and we might even talk about a few of those today.
2: Oh, yes, that was my favorite part of this comic. No, it... It was. I don't really read comics, so that almost was a a huge surprise to me. That almost every third or fourth page there was another ad. I'm like, how? How do people read this? Like, I I mean, (laughs) I'm used to commercial breaks, you know, with Star Trek, but it it just felt so invasive because I'm so not used to the format. So that was that was a unique experience uh, for me.
3: Uh, And I'm with I'm with Darren. I also don't often read comics and and if we're going to start in the beginning i was just, you know i'm just looking at the pdf now and the first page after the <laughs> after the cover of the comic is a be kind rewind ad <laughs> right um uh, which is amazing like it's a, like it's such a blast from
1: the well, past well daniel you with...
0: don't want to get hit with those fees when you take your videos back and you hit <laughs> rewind
1: i feel like we can use that nowadays and it's like a mysterious like no kill eye. It's like be kind. Rewind, and like some, you know, thirteen-year-olds, like that's so zen, man. What does that mean? <laughs> like, uh, right? Can't understand.
0: Well, the equivalent for me is today reading the comics, getting ready for the show. I scrolled my Acrobat reader back to the top so that I was on page one instead of leaving it on the last page.
3: <laughs> it's just common courtesy.
0: Exactly. Common
3: courtesy. It's it, it is telling that the, that two of the movies. I just have to say this: the two of the movies that are advertised in that first ad are uh snl spin-off yes. movies so it's it's showing you the, the basically the frame of reference of time where this this <laughs> comic book came out
1: oh, oh i thought you were saying that like after the first introductory teaser panels in the conference room picard's going to be like live from the
0: conference room it's saturday night
1: <laughs> which would explain a lot all
0: right well let's jump into the story here this comic compared to a lot of the ones that we read is very light on dialogue. Some of these older comics are really, really dense, and it's almost like reading a novel to get through a four-part series. This one, the amount of dialogue, is much more in line with what we're getting in the Star Trek Ongoing comics these days from IDW. But the story kicks off with an attack on a Federation science outpost called Montag 9. And there is a genosciences lab and there are 19 staff members there. And this, I'm not clear if they, I think they are actually the security team of the facility or they have visited there and they boarded, but they're they are in the first contact area uniforms. So they're in the dark jackets with the gray quilted shoulders and they're going down through the lab. And what they discover is that everyone's been killed. And it's a scene that's reminiscent of boarding the regular space station in the Wrath of Khan. And then we cut to the Enterprise E, with Picard and Data having a little moment where Data is learning about humanity. And then already by the third page, we're in a staff meeting. So you know that this is a TNG comic.
1: <laughs> well, what I thought it was kind of cool, and I, and I know you know nowadays there's no no you know it's it's very normal to to read a TNG um, TNG slash DS9 comic where, where they're you know in the. The first contact uniforms, which, by the way, Chris, I know you really think of them as DS9 uniforms. but it's where they got the most being, play. We thank you for, for, for uh, recognizing them, what they are in our presence. You know, this is kind of cool to see an old comic in the first contact mm-hmm. universe or time period. Because, um, you know, usually what you see is sort of in the quote unquote classic TNG universe so to me I was kind of surprised to open this up and see oh there's the E there's all the you know everything so I thought that was really kind of cool kind of made me look forward to a comic and when is I was I on the one of the only ones in the second panel
2: who thought that was Kira because it has Kira's hair and she has a Bajoran nose I know she's in a Starfleet uniform but I was a little thrown off (laughs) I didn't
0: think it was Kira but I thought maybe it was supposed to be Ro.
3: Oh, really? I, I wanted to bring this up as, as the official replacement for Matthew today, right? I just wanted to say that this Bajoran woman who shows up on the first page and has, I think, three panels, yeah. has more character development than Kira. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He's he, not kidding, he ambushed me on. He, he, <laughs> he ambushed did, me on the orb. Actually. So I just, I'm teasing him, I really am. But yeah, no, I
1: noticed that as well.
0: That is true. We did have a show that turned into the big Kira versus Roe discussion, didn't we? Yeah.
1: We and did. and I, it's talking about the conference room panel. I thought it was very interesting because I've never saw this before. And I don't know what to think about it. So I'm interested in y'all's opinions. Beverly is wearing her, her classic TNG uh, blue jacket uh-huh. over her first contact uniform. And that's never been shown. And so I was like, oh, I guess this is a transition time. She's upset about,
2: you know, what I've spoken about before, the massive amount of color loss in the Starfleet uniform. We go from full body color to chest color to shoulder color to collar color. And I'm telling you, next, it's the pips. They're just going to dye the pips, whatever <laughs> color. And then eventually their eyes.
0: And then their eyes. Everyone has to wear contacts that are color coded. the Jordy division. becomes a yes. science
2: officer by default. <laughs>
3: i don't know anything about
0: this stuff (laughs) i like that idea and the women paint their nails with the division color why not everybody i mean it's the 24th century (laughs) (laughs) i think picard would look good with some red nails
2: (laughs) but no i hadn't noticed that jacket though i mean let's just flag that with red pen as a possible continuity breach because you know
3: well, she's only in that one panel. It's funny because I like I, I was yeah, I'm scrolling through right now and I didn't when I was when we were getting ready for the show. I was thinking Beverly shows up for one scene in the in the in the whole thing, and then I forgot she was even in this scene because I didn't. I just didn't happen. To yeah,
0: she shows up later on, but the the real focus here is on the 24th century sketch artist bit where a Beta Zoid was killed in the last attack by. These mysterious beings that are coming and killing everyone at Federation science stations, and because of the telepathy of the Betazoid, this victim scanned one of the attackers, and broadcast what little he could of the slayers to the mind of a guard, attempting to break through the lab's reinforced door, and then drew a sketch of what they looked like, and these turn out to be the Bodai Sheen, the Killing Shadows which are modeled after ninjas from feudal Japanese society. Now, have we ever seen a Betazoid be able to scan someone, telepathically transmit the information to someone else in that way?
1: Wait, was this in Law and Order? Um, I think so, yes. that edition that we were talking <laughs> about earlier that we in our, in our earlier show? This, I think this could be it. I mean, it's an interesting concept because... Is it? Well,
3: it is. Well, are you sure? I mean, really, are you well, sure? Okay, well,
2: they're trying to get around the fact that these ninjas kill whoever sees them. Like, no one's ever seen them. And so the only way that we could even get a look at them, except for the fact that we were breaking the fourth wall and we could, of course, see them, you know, is through this telepathy. But it's it's not a power of the Betazoid that we've ever been told about, but I'm willing to give it a little bit of license.
1: And Chris, I have to ask you, and not not to to put you on the spot. Living in Japan, but reading this comic about the Bodai shin, if I'm saying that correctly, a lot of it I'm trying to. I read it. and I'm like, I need I needs validation from Chris. So here's the first thing: Does that really mean the awakened of illuminated mind and spirit in Japanese? Because you know, it's one of those kind of like funny things, and like two words apparently means like a paragraph. But, <laughs> but I don't. You know, it could be totally legit. I
0: wanted to ask you, Ambojitsu. Well what you have to remember about about the Japanese language is that it's written in iconographic characters, it's Chinese characters. So the the one sound contains a lot more meaning than English. So
2: it's a very dense language.
0: The the themes here are based on ninja's sort of um of course going back, because we don't have ninjas running around Japan these days, although I think a lot of people in America probably think we do, but we don't. And also it's as everything that comes from I hate to say the Western world because Japan, I mean, we're part of that group. But if you watch American movies, there seems to be maybe one person in Hollywood who actually understands the difference between Japanese culture and Chinese culture and Korean culture. And everything you see mixes Japan and China together, even though they're quite different. So, Because they're they're definitely...
1: Seem to be like a, um, and again, this is I'm going to be ignorant American and just do this. There seem to be a lot of what I would call romanticized ninja stuff in here. Right, but that's for all I know, I mean. it's maybe totally legit. For all I know, but I just like all this stuff about like, yes, they're like the ninja in honor. I'm like, but is that real?
3: Is that like what really? They're I, like I quiet like
1: Klingons kind of a- that sneak up on you. Because I wouldn't
2: classify <laughs> a Klingon as a ninja.
0: <laughs> well, it's very it's comic book. I mean, they're writing a comic book here, so it's going to be that sort of you know take reality and embellish it to make it exciting having all these guys in black armor running around the streets attacking everyone
3: i mean I, you know I, again I, I don't want to say anything about whether because i like philip I'll, I'll claim american ignorance and not knowing what tr- true ninja are actually like but as ridiculous as it is thinking that like nowadays you would bring a knife to a gunfight this group of people only fight with swords all of the time and it's like <laughs> What are you doing? I don't understand. Well,
1: Klingon's fight is, with uh, Batlet. There are too many innocents around here. Oh, I can't use my phaser. <laughs> oh that's oh, yeah, gonna... coming.
0: I think basically the the element that really is the basis for that here is just the fact that ninjas were spies and mercenaries. And that's what you are you're seeing here because of this concept of the void that they're being sent through as mercenaries. And, and so that works in that sense to create that connection to it. But you know, read it as the the folklore that it has become. You know, the legend of the of the ninja.
1: Now you know. So so once they get the sketch artist, like you said, Chris, and they beam down to Nidiria, Nidirus, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, the planet, because they're searching for this victim that they have identified out of the left field that will be next
0: targeted. Doctor, um, not the- no goodie. So, of course, he yes. would be a Japanese doctor since ninjas from the Void are coming after him.
1: And not not to be all wardrobe McGee here, but Data and Picard apparently love 21st <laughs> century, century fashion, fashion so much that they have kept these clothes. Because, you know, it took me like I read a couple of pages. I'm like, wait, is this? Is this like a prime directive planet? No, this is a human colony, which <laughs> would be completely acceptable to be wearing their uniforms. But they apparently love First Contact so much that they're still running <laughs> around in these uniforms, which
0: they are very slick.
1: I don't. Want, I don't want to you
0: well, know, you know, begrudge it's, that. It's It's hard to find a well tailored coat that really fits your form, and Picard found that in First Contact, and so naturally he wanted to hang on to it. Plus, it has Lily's scent on it.
1: <laughs> and and <laughs> <they're> <laughs> like just this,
3: friends. This, just good friends. This pl- This planet is is so, you know, it's so okay with just whatever you feel comfortable in that Worf decides that he's a WWF wrestler and he's totally okay with it.
0: Now, is that what you thought when you saw Worf? First of all, Worf always finds a way to get involved in these missions. This is some little, very small planet somewhere which is locked in orbit around its (laughs) star so that half the planet is dark all the time. And apparently it's not covered in ice. Apparently, Worf decided to take his shore leave on this planet. That's what he actually says. It's a good thing that I decided to take my shore leave here. Well, they but they
2: established that's a cover, though.
0: Did they? At least but, I mean, I, I, I read that line. I read that line, but I didn't necessarily take that as being the case. It's like what happened was
1: Picard thought he was going to. He was briefed. You're going to meet an ally down there, and he thought it was war. He thought it was war. Who had a cover story, and it turns out to be. Oh, I Twitter, see. Okay. So. That makes but, more okay. sense. But well, yeah. thing, I don't, okay, mess.
0: this cover story for Worf, if it is a cover story, I think he's taking the cover thing a little bit too far by dressing up like Xena warrior princes. I mean, he's the only Klingon on the planet, probably.
3: He's he's basically Worf and the Barbarian in this in this comic strip. His biceps are like four times the size of anything Michael Dorn has ever even dreamed of. It's ridiculous. And he's carrying around his bat lift, like in the city, like it's no One big deal. One handed, too, just throwing it
1: around his head. <laughs> the only thing I can describe, Worf's image as he shows up, and, and Chris, I like how you describe him like Jurassic Park. Worf finds a way, um, much like life, <laughs> that this can only be, and I'm not going to get too far here, but Jadzia Dax's late night, you know, Worf's been away <laughs> on a mission for a couple of weeks, she goes to the hollow suite, this is the image of Worf that can only exist in that reality. You know, the Doctor Strange cosplay, and at some point when he puts on the hood, it gets a little disturbingly sexy Little Red Riding Hood, I don't want to get into that, but it, it's just... Throughout the entire series, in wearing this uniform I, or costume, I, I just can't. A
2: uniform I just can't, in the broadest be. of sense.
0: <laughs> if, if this is a uniform uh, in the Klingon <laughs> Defense Force, I don't want to know which division <laughs> this uniform belongs to. Would be
2: the and I
3: like. This. Let's say, but we should say though, because um, you know, there's a lot of we're talking about comics here, and there's a lot of you know, women have a lot of issues with like the way that like Wonder Woman is portrayed The in way comics, that women on, are portrayed in comics. But, right? but on yeah. Kronos, apparently, it's not a gender issue. It's just everybody has a ridiculous uniform that totally would not protect them from anything. I guess
0: totally okay. so. So everyone, let's just describe what Worf looks like. He has the, the rippling biceps, which are just way, way, like four times bigger than normal for Worf, who's already a big guy. He's got on a red flowing cape. It's like a Spartan, not
2: uh, Spartan cape, right? Kind of yeah, not of, like
0: a Superman cape, but like that. Three hundred, yeah. which is latched around his neck by a giant golden medallion. Then he's got this other, like a—it's, I guess, it's leather and some sort of chest plate across. Yeah, that fishnet, fishnet. Okay, that doesn't actually. Cover him completely, and would probably not protect him against anything whatsoever. And then he's wearing like mustard-colored tights.
2: It looks like <laughs> half of his Will Scarlet uniform from uh, that one TNG episode, <laughs> uh, Cupid. Cupid. <laughs> he just took <laughs> yes. his shirt off. This is what was on underneath. Actually, it's even got the cloak. So this is his red uh, uniform from from Cupid. This would identify you <laughs> as Worf Scarlet, just without the uh, <laughs> without the shirt. <laughs>
0: And then he's got big, big leather bracelets around both wrists and giant boots and his below the tights. It's almost like they they're, they don't even come down to his ankle and they flare out. And then he's doing a pose like he's a big muscle man and growling like he's some kind of monster. So I don't know where this wharf came from, but wow, this only happens in comics.
3: Chris, the 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 bracelets. They're they're. I mentioned Wonder Woman before. These are phaser-proof bracelets that he uses to block all of the ah, phasers. Oh, that makes that are sense. Shot at him. Yeah. So and
0: you could, block, from you could block the beams with one wrist while you swing your batluth with the other. Yes, <laughs> exactly.
1: Okay. Does he have a lasso of honor? Don't don't answer. know. <laughs> yeah. <Don't
2: let> <laughs> fortunately, we're whisked back up to the Enterprise, and we don't have to look at war for a little while. <laughs>
0: let's move on through the story here and get through the first issue. They go down to the planet. They find the doctor. They want to bring him back to the ship and bring him to safety. But he says, I'm safer here in the open because these shadow killers, they don't want to be seen. So as long as I'm in a public place like this, they're not going to hurt me. Of course, the, the waiter turns out to be one of them. It's always the waiter. And is apparently holding a lightsaber in this frame. Is that a lightsaber? That's what guys? happens when you don't tip.
3: It's definitely a lightsaber. That's exactly the first thing I thought.
2: Well, it's not. It's not a Jedi. He's Storm Shadow from GI Joe.
0: Oh, oh, that's or what snake I was eyes. thinking He's, of. Yes, He's Snake Eyes.
2: They yeah. all look like Snake Eyes, basically.
0: <laughs> they do. That's what I was trying to picture. Good call, GI Joe. So we've got, we've got a little bit of Star Trek, a little bit of Xenia Warrior Princes, Wonder Woman, GI Joe going in here.
1: Now, in the, there's this huge fight you know, when this attack happens and, and Worf and Picard and Data are fighting and just general havoc going on. So we know instantly this is movie Picard because he is fighting yeah, and kicking, you know, so, and using a sword apparently somehow. He just magically gets a sword in one
0: panel and just starts That's true, where that sword comes from.
1: <laughs> Although I don't see him actually um, swinging it. He has
2: yet to actually make contact with a person with the sword.
0: Right. No. But he's doing a lot of blocking, though. He's making sword to sword contact.
1: He's make the remember, noises. He's not from Nottingham, so he is the, the greatest swordsman. <laughs> and, and at the same time, this is happening back on the ship. The you know the Enterprise E is is being uh under attack from. It looks like several Maquis fighters. It's not Maquis fighters though. That's what they look like though. Um, A little so, bit. Yeah. Okay. To triangle clear, ships. But. And so that that is the fight in space, the fight on the ground, and and that's where we go on here. And and, and just real quickly. And I don't I don't mean to bring it down here, but like there's a lot of, I you know I like and it's gonna sound bad but I'm gonna say it you know I like you know violent movies fine and, and and violence doesn't disturb me, but violence in Star Trek does disturb me. And this is a very bloody comic, a very bloody comic. And so like when you see throats being slashed, ugh, it kind of kind of stopped me a little bit. So maybe I'm I'm being a little you know pansy about it, but that was that was kind of my as I went to this. So this is definitely not is like a PG thirteen R R. Uh, comically it's for me and
2: did that one ship crash into the shuttle bay because it was really vague yeah. about if
0: that happened It did. okay yeah and destroyed all of the shuttle craft on the enterprise uh, all, <laughs> all of them
3: all of them conveniently well they were all they next to those barrels destroyed. that were labeled with that warning <laughs> sign right. right next to the orange crates that just explode as soon as there's <laughs> any fire you're the
2: ones you see on the level that I, I you know you're supposed to shoot
3: i do want to say one thing though um the the fight scene on the planet with picard randomly spawning a sword like you mentioned uh, which 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 um really upsets me as much as i got a little excited one of the one of the things that really made me happy was data actually kicking some butt like some space ninja butt like i was like yeah data should always be able to just fight people and you know, not that he normally would, but 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 you know, he should be able right. to take people down. Like he should be able to take space ninjas down. He's Data.
0: So here's a question: They say at one point in here that Data thinks maybe it wasn't a good idea to activate my emotion chip before I came down here on this planet. Well, why can't he turn it off after it starts <laughs> bothering him? And, and Man, he, I he picked gets ex- the wrong
3: day to stop quitting smoking. <laughs> right, it's always <almost>
0: like that. <laughs> it's because at this point he has control over the data he has control over the emotion chip. He can just flick his neck like he did in first contact and turn it off.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Who, who knows, knows why? That's that, a good, that's a good question. Christy. I hope you have the <laughs> answers to all of them because there's a lot going on.
1: <laughs> well, well, as the, as the fighting continues here on the, uh, on the, on the ground, one thing I thought was interesting, I mean, Kind of like as everyone's getting killed, literally. Like I said, they just people were dying left and right here. You know, security guards, whatever. Everyone's just dying, getting killed. Um, but then the the doctor they're protecting gets straight up killed. Yep.
0: Like, oh, I thought that was the whole mission. <laughs> oh, no, he just got killed. Fifteen pages in, he's dead. So, so at that point, you think Picard should say, Ah oh, crap, we we failed. Let's all beam up and get out of here." Well, he can't because Jackie Chan is start. swinging in to tell him he's <laughs> That's what know. I'm looking at right now got milk yes there is a gigantic full-page ad of a helicopter that says got milk and then jackie chan is swinging and sorry that totally took me out of the comic when i came to that page Uh. well the problem is that there's so much action going on on the left page with all the fighting and then it's almost like jackie chan is part of the comic and he is attacking these shadow killers with a B- with a bottle of milk, he
2: he kicked his, he kicked the guy we're supposed to be protecting with his right boot.
0: Yes,
3: in this in this extended Star Trek universe, Jackie Chan is some sort of a security officer yeah. on the and the Enterprise E, apparently. Yeah.
1: <laughs> who, do you,
0: who do you think replaced Worf? <laughs> right. You know, actually, he's wearing all black here. He could be Section Thirty-One. Um... In which case, they really should lose the white helicopters because it's. It's quite she have got game. milk printed on the side. It's a little conspicuous.
3: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Living Sid would have never accepted that. But. All
0: right. So back on the ship, the reason that they crashed, the Shadow Killers crashed that ship into the shuttle bay was that they wanted to board the Enterprise. And I guess they don't have transporters or who knows. So they crashed into the shuttle bay. And I know you're going to say, well, maybe the Enterprise's shields were up, and so they couldn't beam through. But then again, if the shields were up, would they be able to fly their ship through the shields directly into the shuttle bay? Maybe the know.
2: shields were set on shuttle bay shield levels, you know, where the, sh- the ship can actually go through it. But
0: who, who would be maybe, that stupid? Maybe Troy telepathically transmitted the shield harmonics to them, and they were able to pass right through.
1: You know, that's Geordi's job. <laughs>
0: So, so Troy is walking Speaking down and one of these shadow killers is on the ship and sucks her as, as I gathered, it sucks her into this void place that they're talking about. Like it's almost like, like the void's in, in their
2: mind though. It's like she's still right, standing like it's in there, their mind. but yeah. she doesn't feel like she's staying there. It's
3: Yeah. It's like the n- next phase or whatever, the uh, like kind of thing, right? Like they're kind of there, but they're kind of not. And
0: I think that's the case because at the very end of the comic, they they bring this person back who had been sucked mm. into the void. And she says, I can't fill the void anymore. And so it does seem like it's something that's sort of in your mind. Like it's not a place that you can go to specifically. It's not even like the Nexus. It's just some other dimension or re- reality that at least your thought process goes there and you become disconnected from where you are. That's well, this, this one point is
2: what makes me kind of glad this story was in a comic because there's so much exposition on like the void and what is the void and what is going on? Like in the little blocks, I'm like, if you were actually shooting this as an episode, all I see is shot of, you know, Troy looking one way shot of Troy looking another way. Like you would get none of that because you, they're not saying anything, and it's really hard to describe yeah. what's inside people's heads.
0: You would have to do something like go to the all-white place, like with the prophets know, or with yeah. the um, sphere builders and Enterprise or something, so that you are somewhere else.
2: You like, would show up, of course, to explain what's going on, because nobody else does.
0: Well, you guys said that they come to the fight with their knives and their swords, but that's not all. Actually, as we get near the end here, they pull out the throwing stars, as well (laughs) the throwing stars explode for no reason at all
3: listen in in tos we have a scene where the the, the ship can literally shoot a phaser beam towards a planet a city block and and make everybody pass out on the ground (laughs) yes what do you think you're going to do with a throwing star i don't understand like it makes no sense
2: see they know that that's why they attack the e in orbit so it can't do that
3: but I'm just saying, like, your phaser would be... It's not a fair fight. It's not even comparable.
2: Would it, it's ridiculous. Would
0: it have been cool if the ships in orbit attacking the Enterprise-E were shooting, throwing stars at the Enterprise-E? <laughs> and
2: that's why they uh, they get to the shields. They're like, well, the shields aren't designed to repel.
0: <laughs> stupidity. So <laughs> <his stupidity>. alert.
3: <laughs> stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's happening is you can't tell because it's obviously a comic book. There's no motion. But all of those ships... At the sa- the entire time they're just doing continuous barrel rolls so you, you know there's nothing you can do to fight
0: against them they really are, and they're holographic barrel rolls as well that's true <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right well to to take to- to close the the first issue here is you know Picard's fighting Picard's being you know it's sort of a hunter versus prey Picard's being chased 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 he's cornered a mysterious figure appears and she says I am the ally not that crazy looking Fabio lookalike I'm the ally you were supposed to meet and I am Junk, Daniel's favorite character <laughs>
3: Uh, I'm I'm okay. I'm gonna get my piece out about this, and I won't even talk for the rest of the episode because why? I, oh my goodness! So they throw in Worf in this comic for whatever reason. Obviously, we all know that there's no reason he would be on this planet. It's totally absurd. He's 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 jacked up to to all <laughs> hell, and he's he looks ridiculous. He's not even the, the character that we know. But then just for and then I was like, okay. I can kind of get on board Space Ninjas. I can kind of say, okay, well, you know, we never really gave a legitimate reason for Worf to show up in any of the movies, really. They just threw him in there because they wanted to. Okay, okay, Worf, it's a TNG comic. Really? You're going to throw in Sela? Really? Come on! Like, what is the point of this? Like, is this supposed to be exciting? Like, you're reading through your comic, and, you know, Generations is out, and, like... What? Who who wanted to see this character return? Is there anybody in, in the world that wants to see this character come back?
0: I thought it was a very, very strange choice to bring Sela back here because, like you said, it doesn't make any sense. There's, there's nothing in the past history between the two of them other than they had this little face-off and there's maybe some animosity and Sela doesn't like Picard and she's probably got a vendetta against him and Picard is probably like, Sela? Who's that? <laughs> oh, that's right. Tasha's it's daughter, it, she, yeah. Can I get another cup of Earl Grey?
2: Well, she completely looked like you know when Princess Zelda is in disguise. <laughs> I think it's like Sharon. I'm never looks, speaking to you again. She looks just, <laughs> just like Sharon.
3: I'm literally never talking to you again. You know that, right? You cannot compare Sheik to Zelda. Uh, to, but I'm that's right, what to she Sela. looks like when she shows no, up. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Because Sheik was an awesome ninja, and Selah is just a terrible. I'm just character. talking about for
2: the few seconds before she takes down like her cowl right. around her face. I well, see her. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's in her contract. She can only appear at the end of cliffhangers. That is the only way her character
3: appear. And all buh, buh, I'm saying buh, but, is, as Philip and I are now looking for a third co-host <laughs> for Roll Day, okay. so anybody would can put in their application.
1: You have to pass the Bajoran test.
0: So that's issue <laughs> one. Let's move on to issue number two here, which, as I mentioned, is called "The Hunted," and Sella is right there on the cover this time. Cover made especially. For Daniel. And Worf <laughs> has been relegated to a very small corner of the cover where he's actually stepping on Riker's neck. He's standing on <laughs> Riker's shoulders. It's he's like attacking when you, Riker. <laughs> you see the little, like the, the angel and the devil on your shoulders. Well, Riker's got this look in his eyes, and Worf is standing on his shoulders, holding a batleth up in the air, flowing cape, pointing right at you.
2: And Picard, I don't even want to talk
1: about Picard's face, but. <laughs> he just he just read the comic. So that's his face. So.
2: But WB <laughs> Warner Brothers wants you to, to try out their two <laughs> new shows: Lobo, Gotham Girls, and Lobo.
3: Yes. <laughs> oh my no. goodness! I forgot they made a.
2: Gotham actually, no. They show want you to go to their wild webisodes
1: only at WarnerBrothers.com wow. dot com. Well, I do like so. So the episode or episode issue two begins. It's it's Sela Picard, all the ninja, which I, I know that. You know the, the bad guys are there. the 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 Bodai Shin are there. They're gonna attack, and Picard's like, "You know what? I've forgotten to do this whole time. This phaser would be an awful good weapon right about now." <laughs> now, of course, the explanation that's given—the reason he hasn't been using it for the past five hundred panels, um, while everyone's being killed—is that he didn't doesn't want to kill any innocents. Because when you beam down to the planet, your stun setting doesn't work, obviously. So here he is. The all the the, the innocents have, have forgot about uh, stun. Civilians have escaped. And so he's now free to use the phaser and they escape Salem Picard running away because now phasers work.
3: I just, these panels, these, these panels blow my mind. I just, I don't, there are people running from like, they have like swords and shivs and like pikes. And it's like, what, like this, we're in the 24th century. Aren't, don't, and there's no, there's no security that has any sort of energy based weapon or force field technology that can stop these people? I just To me, I just don't understand it at all. It makes no sense.
0: Well, it's actually a, it's a good point because this planet, it's made clear that this is colonized by humans. And it was colonized by humans, I assume in the 24th or at least the 23rd century. So you would not expect it to look so much like a medieval village, right?
3: Yeah. Like there's this second page of the second issue. Has, has Picard holding, I, I guess this is, Chain? Like, <laughs> he does. Is he really going to fight space ninjas with a chain? Picard
1: <laughs> unchained, as you've never seen him before. Look,
3: I'm pretty sure all you know, as the Earl Grey guys will tell you, we don't have Kirk. Like, Pic- Picard can hold his own in-, in a fist fight, but we don't have Kirk. He can't pull off magic tricks with this with these hand to hand weapons. <laughs> this is not his specialty, and especially with space ninjas who can who never allow anybody who sees them to live. Space Come ninjas. on now, you're really stretching the the you know but, what Picard but but don't do. worry
0: he's protected by sella and her giant exacto knife
2: <laughs> yeah it totally looks like a power up uh, you'd boy. get in a video game <laughs> it, <doesn't really laughs> it does
0: right you get a bigger <laughs> blade when you get 500 yep. experience points mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> but exactly back so, so up on the enterprise we're being attacked by the swirl of green yeah and uh, it's shaking everything lots of bad stuff's going on then, I'm, again, I'm just totally pulled out of the episode because <laughs> Barkley is frozen in fear of what he sees. He had played poker with two of them last night, and he was going on a date with another. I just I can't right. even take it That was the though. line no, right
0: there, Darren, where I started wondering if this was real or this was some sort of alternate reality. Barkley's going on a date with someone later that night. Oh,
1: totally really? alternate reality. Well, and, and and again, I'm I'm all for 24th and 21st century. It's not even 24th century. If you look at the panels, I see three figures: two are men, and a third I can't tell. Which is fine. Look, if, if you know, if we don't know Barclays taste. That's fine. Maybe but he's talking about the wondering. warp core. <laughs> well, and also, I I kind of tell what's happening in this panel, and I'm being serious here. Like, what is he looking at? Because basically, what it is is the transporters are now under control of the the. the I hate cognitive space. The ninjas. techno play, the Budai shin, um, and and but like where because like again, again, not to take it out. This is very disturbing. Like to die by transporter. I mean, that's kind of oh, it kind of gets me. I am like, uh, kind of reminds me of X Men First Class when they're just like you know, dropping people f- after they get um, teleported from the sky. I mean, like, it's a horrible way to... Ugh. Well, per-
3: per- particularly for Barkley, it would be a terrifying experience. Yeah, Because yeah, he true. was the one that had uh, the-, the transporter, whatever, phobia, whatever. That's this right. Is- this is a Showtime episode of TNG. The
0: last thing that he saw would be worms in the transporter beam.
3: <laughs> you mean hand puppets? <laughs>
0: <that weren't like laughs> so what has Orden. happened here is that the Enterprise has been taken over by a quote-unquote... Techno plague, which is another word in this comic for a computer virus. So they are taking over the ship with a computer virus. And apparently, eventually, it starts to affect Jordy's ocular implants as well. And he goes completely blind.
2: But not before he looks like Nick Fury in that panel.
0: <laughs> not before his head grows out of the back of Riker's neck.
1: <laughs> and not before that strangely inappropriate anime ad which we won't talk about you
0: know what i love about comics though sometimes is that what happened here in this panel with beverly and troy clearly troy's stunt double wandered into the scene i was gonna say is that troy (laughs) (laughs) because that is not marina certes right there no
3: (laughs) that's funny and we find out here that the enterprise e is, is second only to the Enterprise-D for how easy it is to take over the entire
0: ship. <laughs> That's true. Sure, exactly. And then Data gets mad. You <laughs> Data don't to see him mad. when he gets mad. That's <laughs> right, yeah. So more fighting down on the planet and more fighting down on the planet. <laughs> and then Sella and Picard, they hop into Body a ship and they reenact the chase scenes from Star Wars was that episode three where they have all the chase scenes? Episode two. Two. Is two. It's episode. Okay. two. Okay, all the chase scenes with Anakin flying the uh, car around, or maybe it's Blade Runner.
1: One thing I do have to say about this comic and is, is that I do enjoy just because I love the Enterprise. E, I do enjoy how they draw and and color the interior of, of the ship, well the the outside too. But and so I mean it, it's very well done in my opinion. Um, the bridge, I love seeing. They did very well. So, I, I mean, I do want to give credit here that that all the Enterprise e scenes, you know, besides the disturbing, yeah, they do look really good. Um, but the, at least the, the showing the ship um, is very, it was very good, and I lo- and I like, I really did enjoy that.
2: Well, yeah, when and when Jordy's eyes started to go, for one second, I thought, oh man, Charlie X, here we go, because it says <laughs> I can feel the techno plague moving inside it. Yeah, but no, he just went blind.
0: So then Riker has to you know, figure out how he's going to save the ship and turns into his, he actually says in here at one point, <laughs> so they call me cocky, but he does get kind of cocky. He's almost like he is in insurrection where he's going to scoop everything up and ram it down their throats.
2: Well, it's after Troy, like roundhouse
1: kicks. She's been watching a lot of oh, Walker, Texas Ranger. We have not gotten there yet. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. Well, I mean, speaking of Riker in, in this whole series, you know, Riker is pretty a tactical guy right i mean we've seen throughout the 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 movies right the riker maneuver and even in the in the tv show i mean he, this is a smart guy but in this series his tactical um, um thoughts and approach comes to this sentence fire everything like literally every time he just presses all the weapons buttons with like his palm of his hand and that's how he fights. He goes
3: to the nero school of tactics
0: so the fighting continues on the ship and on the planet and then we're prompted to buy Green Day's new album, Warning, featuring Minority, <laughs> Warning, and Blood, Sex, and Booze, in stores now.
3: It's a great album, by the yeah. way. If you don't have that album, you should pick it up. It's fantastic. <laughs> if I was I reading this
0: your comic- Reichardt
1: Extreme Sport. <laughs> If I was reading this comic, I would have gotten it on Napster at the time. But
0: anyway, and then, so Picard has learned that the Bodai Shin are going to use the transporter technology- to He thinks they're going to use it to kill everyone on the planet and erase all the evidence. And one thing that we did find out in the midst of all these fight scenes is that what was being worked on here was a new kind of transporter technology. And Dr. Nogudi thought that it was possible to build transporters that would they could beam like an entire city to a new location. So they're thinking, the Federation is thinking that if the Borg are going to come through and they're heading for a planet, we'll just beam all the cities on the planet to some other place so that they're safe from the Borg. Maybe and a holographic course, ship Sella, and they wake
1: up and they don't even know the difference.
0: That's right. And 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 of course, Sella, I believe it's Sela that points out that this could be used as a weapon as well. I
2: think
1: Picard even points it out. Everybody points it out. Everyone points it out, Which is much more believable to me than the Genesis being used as a weapon, but go ahead.
0: So then Picard goes into, it's a little bit like the end of First Contact mode, right? They're presenting him again where he's going to go to some extreme and he's willing to sacrifice everyone on the planet in order to wipe out the Shadow Killers, I guess presumably so that they can't harm anyone else
1: i didn't understand the ending i'm just well first i didn't understand the ending but if now that you've explained it so basically he's going to blow up the planet to prevent anyone getting the technologies that i thought uh, he was going to use it to take all the bodai shin and beam them off
2: into the void or space or something
3: i I was not i didn't know either i thought that like for like two panels it became a really a big morality issue will picard kill everyone to kill the bodai shin and i was Mm -hmm. like and then it was like, it didn't work. And then it was like, oh, okay, well, we'll go on to our next plan. Like, it wasn't even a big thing. I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on either.
1: And then while I'm trying to figure it out, we have Roundhouse Troy showing up. <laughs>
3: because, because if there's anybody on the Enterprise that could beat up a space ninja it, in, in a believable manner, it's totally Counselor hey,
2: she's Troy. She's been taking Worf's calisthenics sense. class for yeah, he's, like he's not 14 oh, years.
0: Yeah, If you know what I mean.
3: <laughs> so she's been going to the jadzia school of so <laughs> of calisthenics.
0: so we move on to issue three here and as you said troy has knocked out this bodai that's on the ship they've taken his armor and now riker is going to dress up in it
1: which by the way i, I know daniel and i um were, we're talking on the other side of the page about the timeline for this comic book now mm-hmm. daniel can you share when you have told that where the timeline is here we don't have well, I look, time I just to up. worry about the time. There's <laughs> there, that's a line time. in this comic,
3: isn't that weird? Like that's strange. Um, um, no, I looked it up, and it was from what I found was takes place pre-first contact, which is very interesting, but post generations, obviously, because you wouldn't, it's the E and it wouldn't take place beforehand. But I was very interested that it that it was it was very specific that it was post generations. Um, but I thought
1: the thing that's interesting here is the issue three starts with riker naked presumably getting dressed in front of troy i'm like isn't this post-insurrection when we would start doing this is this really the appropriate oh, time come for- on. he's putting on the batman that, yeah he's totally channeling he's batman in this in this that's frame. what
3: he's doing like you can imagine like the quick cuts of him like putting the belt on and the cowl and like that's what he's
1: doing Well, luckily <laughs> this costume doesn't have never mind
0: philip riker has been undressing and dressing in front of troy since he was a lieutenant stationed on beta Z. <laughs>
1: Well, I've never seen him do it with a beard before. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think...
2: didn't really realize this was Riker until the second page because they don't... Well, again, they just oh, it the episode, okay. and I'm like, what is going on?
1: Well, it took a while for Darren to work his way up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Get to the haircut, then you can tell. But I know what you mean, because in terms of the muscles and the torso, this doesn't look anything like Riker.
3: Oh, he's Batman.
2: No, he's yeah, all in shadow, and then at the end he looks like...
3: All of a sudden his shoulder pads have grown three sizes
0: yeah. and You know what this is. But it's
3: so funny because when he gets the whole suit completely on, his head looks tiny. It does. It looks it looks like the smaller So he's all it's all padding for him. He's he's you it's know, he's padding. stuffing that costume. Well you know what
0: he's costume. thinking? He's thinking and he's telling Troy here, this is the best ambo jutsu suit I've ever seen. I'm definitely <laughs> keeping this for my next match. <laughs>
3: He's going to beat his father, for sure. At this point, his geriatric 75-year-old father <laughs> right. is wearing this costume.
1: So can I have a quick question? So, okay, what happens is, all right, so here at issue three, Riker's going to put on this this costume and, and try and fight them in their own ground. Or, uh, and then uh, Picard and Selah and kind of re- regrouping and decided to attack... Um, kind of trying to exploit them somehow, and then back on the ship, they've kind of taken their second breath. Or, you know, their second win. We're going to be able to fight back here. So they've shown Jordy working the entire time. Now he's blind. Now I have no question that Jordy is a capable engineer, and that you know he's been blind since birth, right? So, but but I do have a hard time that he can work engineering while blind, and yet that is what he's doing. Well, presu- they have presu- the tactical or the tactile interface that we but, saw. In but he's working on the Voyager the, on the, on their uh, Budai Shin assimilated. Uh, that's the only way to describe it. It's part of the ship.
0: You know what's interesting that you bring that up, and it, it just makes me wonder where things will go as our technology advances, because in Japan right now, everything is accessible pretty much. Everything's braille. Like I mean, everything you, everywhere you go, everywhere you, everything you buy, there's braille on it. And even our sidewalks are grooved in certain ways, so blind people know where they are on the sidewalk and and when they're moving around. And so I was initially thinking that, well, Starfleet would have some sort of way that if a blind person touched something, they would be able to still use it. But then I was thinking, well, we have ocular implants and we have visors. So I'm wondering, like, as our technology advances, if that kind of accessibility stuff will go away and we won't be doing that anymore because, because you can
2: replace it with other things,
0: right? But you know that not everyone would actually be getting ocular implants or having visors. So it, it's interesting. in the
3: Star Trek universe, though, so this is this is my big big issue. Like, it wouldn't. I assume, and this is just my assumption and how I see it. Like, Geordi would like people having visors mm-hmm. if they're born blind would not be an an uncommon thing. I I think we would actually be much further than that. I think we would have ocular sure, implants. Sure, we'd have ocular implants. But um, there would be no reason for anyone to ever be blind and not be able to see at all. Like, like the fact that you could have a visor would be really commonplace. It's not a weird Mm -hmm. thing. Like, in TNG, we're given the impression that this is a very unique thing. Like, he's the only one that has this technology. But it seems very, it should be very commonplace, I would think.
2: Hmm.
0: That's an interesting concept that just popped in as you were describing that, Philip, so...
1: So so on the planet, the, 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 the battle of attack is that they're going to go to the dark side of the moon. Oh, wait, the planet. The dark side of the planet, and they're going to make this elaborate light device. I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. So that everyone will run away except the Bodai Shen. And if they don't run away, we know they're the bad guys. So Picard hits his magic combat, badge. The light shines. And there is one panel, one dialogue box, that just halted me completely, and maybe I'm overthinking this, but I'm just going to read it. Okay, so this is the plan, the light goes, people are running, they're going to find this, and here's the block. Selah's limited psychic abilities, yes. <laughs> inherent in her Romulan side, shields her thoughts and those of the companion of her companions from any other Bodai shit in the
0: crowd. What yeah. the? <laughs> I actually have it written in my notes. I think that's stretching it a little bit, that exact line. <laughs>
1: Now, Daniel, well, you're the I Romulan think, agent or expert. What <laughs> What is this, the psychic abilities?
3: I presumably, and this, year, I agree, it's completely ridiculous. Presumably, it's just the fact that Vulcans are touch telepaths. Right. Romulans should be as well, though I don't believe there's ever a time that we're, that we're ever actually shown that they still have that capability. But even then, that's very much stretching like, oh, they can totally do these things too. Right.
0: Even if they had that, it would be like, spock creating a bubble around the landing party in the original series to protect them
1: <laughs> exactly so like the life belt is just spock's mind
0: yeah
3: no. <laughs> plus Sela is only is only half romulan anyways so she would have very limited uh, sp- was on his own psychic abilities <laughs>
0: so what happens if you put cela and troy in the same room together they each have sort of half operational special mental abilities the empathy, well, that's which is often presented as telepathy, and then this other telepathic capability of Sela.
3: And that's what I, exactly what I was saying when I read this panel. I thought it was equally as ridiculous. And I'm like, wait a minute, if Troy's, uh, you know, like psionic abilities didn't protect her, and and she's half actual telepath and not just touch telepath. Like why why would Sela, Sela be able to protect herself? It and everybody else that she wanted to. It didn't make any sense to me either.
1: All right. so, so so meanwhile, Shadow Riker, This is, and again, this, this is Riker's tactical <laughs> abilities Riker. and approach it, throughout this thing. So he's, he has this magical suit on, right? So he's now, and f- for some reason, the Bodai Shin accept him as one of their own. So he's walking around, he sees them on the ship, right? Kind of reminds me of that Voyager episode where he sees the invisible aliens, right? And so the panel is like, well, this is Riker. You know, I could be silent and figure out but that wouldn't be any fun. I'm just going to start blindly attacking all of them. Fire <laughs> He's that everything. player
2: on the FPS who's just like, you know, I could make it through this level by just hugging the shadows. Or I could just attack all the bad guys and they'll all spawn and try to kill me.
0: We find out that these suits have a very interesting capability that was sort of puzzling to me to find this out in the third part of a four-part issue. Because we've seen these guys walking around all over the place and all over the surface of this planet. Apparently, no one can see you if you're wearing this suit. Only the Bodai Sheen can see each other, but the rest of the crew members don't know you're there. You just walk past them.
2: No suit that small as a cloaking device?
0: That's how it seemed to be presented at this point when Riker comes down. Because it actually says the Bodai Sheen armor allows Riker to move invisibly among the crew. He is not invisible to the assassins.
3: Which technically gives him literally no advantage really i mean because <laughs> right. presumably he might as, like as well walk know, up oh, in right. his,
2: his starfleet
0: uniform <laughs> do you think that it was just a, a an effort they, they did the artwork for this comic and they did this frame with all the starfleet officers in the corridor and they forgot to put riker in there and so they didn't have time to go back and redraw it and so they just explained like no one can see just him all. the little text suit. box
2: <laughs> Well, it's really shoddy <laughs> armor, anyway. I mean, it's got that seam line on the middle, so as soon as you strike it once, it just splits right in half. I mean, that's right. just, it's not going to protect very anybody.
0: cleanly right yeah. down the middle, so you can see half of his face and half of the armor. Yes,
1: that's where you know which one to root for when they're flying <laughs> around right. on the panels.
3: That's exactly right.
2: This
1: is—is this, is this going to be the next Power Ranger costume, Darren? What we're seeing here?
2: Oh, uh, hopefully not. Hopefully not.
0: That could be. <laughs> that could be pretty cool. Could be white. what would we call it? The Bodenjas.
1: <laughs>
2: That's probably exactly what they would
1: call and, it. And you'd be watching it going, How come I can't see anyone? Oh, they're invisible. That's right. They really <laughs> saved production costs.
0: You do know that in Japan, every single year on television, we get a new set of Power Rangers, right? And oh, it's yeah. It's it for us. It's always something Renja, which is Ranger in Japanese. So it's Renja. <laughs> so
3: I actually, a lot of times I was reminded. And this might be my personal bias, so of the Foot Clan from
2: ah, oh, it does have a bit the, of a Foot the Clan Mutant ninja yes. turtles like
3: they ah. they have a lot of similarities with that. So except
2: they talk a lot more. That's true. Well,
1: I mean Foot <laughs> Soldier. So you know, one thing I have to do say with this comic, you know, and and I have said some things obviously during this episode, but I mean the characterization is there. I mean, there's some wonky things, but you know, Picard's Picard, Riker's a little crazier, but he's Riker. You know, there is characterization, mean, mm-hmm. it's not like they're just crazy here and it's just TNG you know, T G character sure. suits and weird things coming on No, this is it's 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 the characters. But then there there's comes this part where, you know, Geordie kinda gets surprised by one of the Bodai and the Bodai like, you know, I'm I'm putting in my uh He's
2: RoboCop at this moment. Yeah, his Interface with the wall.
1: (laughs) Um, And, and like, Beverly, you have a choice. You either have to kill because you're, you know, all for life. And I'm like, you know, Beverly knows her way around the phaser. You know, this this isn't her first rodeo, buddy. You know, she's been killing Borg. You know, he's like, I know your belief in life will stop you from, oh, why am I dead?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, I I think the point of that, though, and this is something else that's in here related to the void, that doesn't really get explained or fleshed out because 90% of the comic is spent with fight scenes is that there's something about the Shadow Killers and something about the Void that takes over your mind and makes you do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. And that's why you see Troy roundhouse kicking this guy, knocking him out. It's why you see... It is why you see... Data going berserk in the streets, even though, so I mean, yes, so that's it's their the emotion explanation, why sure.
2: everyone acts differently
0: than yes. they normally would. Like it is, yeah, um, but that, but there's not enough of it in here for you to really catch that. But that's where it's going here near the end of the third issue with Beverly having this. This Bodai says, I'm going to take out all the life support, and your only hope is to kill me. But then Beverly knows, well, if I shoot him here, then it's going to kill Jordy. Although you feel like Jordy, could you just step back maybe a little bit <laughs> so Barrel I can shoot maybe? him? Um, could you go to the other room for a minute? So, but but that's what's going on. It's somehow it like takes over your your mind a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: But but more fighting on the Enterprise. E um, the the bad guy that's threatening uh, Beverly gets taken care of, and then Riker magical Riker shows up, Shadow Riker. Mara um, Riker whatever you <laughs> want to call him um, he shows up and, and kicks some butt Jordy suddenly gets his eyes back on his main systems and eyes back on the same time you're a brilliant engineer Jordy. But then suddenly something's happening. And then we go back we down to the planet. We see pl- it for five more frames. <laughs> yeah. So we got go back down to the planet again. This whole thing about trying to find one of the Shen, you know, Jubilee's from- running away to join the X-Men. <laughs> it
0: is Jubilee.
3: It's absolutely Jubilee. There's no doubt about it.
0: I love the final frame in the third one where the police show up. And they say, put down your weapons now. And over in front of this store, you see Worf and Picard and Data and Sella. I guess they are. And it looks like if you take superheroes and they accidentally get caught by normal people, it's like they're over there in their cosplay in the middle of the street. <laughs> and they, and, and God, like,
2: they're sad. miles away from any bad guys. There's nobody around them.
3: Worf's got his, you know, Batleth ready. Yeah. Judge Dredd is on the scene And this. I thought it was nap- like the oh,
1: end of the modern so Planet of the Apes where it's all the ape, uh, you know, in front of the Lincoln uh, Memorial. <laughs>
0: All right, so that's issue three, which, again, is called The Trap, just like issue one was. Now, issue four is The Secret. So this oh, is well, where what we're going to get the resolution. What about that frame that Jordy
2: was looking at that we missed? I mean, it's so... I want now, to know what he's looking at. the exciting at.
0: conclusion. <laughs>
1: yeah, there <you> <laughs>
2: They were surrounded by ships, and they were in trouble.
3: Vipers, actually,
1: from
2: about <laughs> Yeah, World. exactly. That's
0: oh, yeah. Like. The, the, new, the new vipers. Yeah. Yeah. So then they go down to the planet, and they're in a prison i believe and they have to fight a bunch of incredible hulks like these green guys <laughs> that look normal and then when they break through the bars they all become enormous and their shirts rip and their muscles rip along. it was martian man but we can't ask to about the incredible
1: it. hulk that's what happened yeah.
3: because come on guys because why not, <laughs> why not? <laughs> because at this why point not? let's just throw <laughs> it all in, it's in like, what do we have like that's the, doing the doing show I'm title
0: too. daniel because why not <laughs>
1: I like that Cards like are they changelings Sailor's like shrug and then just keeps on going don't worry
3: about it don't worry about it doesn't matter we'll never address it it's just gonna happen it's just gonna happen the craziest things you can think of we're gonna throw in a blender and it's gonna come on the page at this point so true
2: it is Martian Manhunter basically so basically
0: aboard the Enterprise by this point they have figured out of course that these are holographic ships and that they don't need to fight them all yeah, but they keep fighting them, and they start launching all the escape pods for some Riker reason. Riker maneuver two, electric boogaloo. It seems it seems that Riker's solution is launch all the escape pods into the middle of the battlefield, and then fire everything we have.
1: Uh, you know, I think But it you, looks,
2: they cut it looks the like, panel. like a bomb on each one. <laughs> he makes them blow up. He's like, we control this minefield. I'm like, when did s- escape pods become so explosive? You'd think inherently
1: they'd be designed against that. Right. And, and you actually think that he just put the bombs in the escape pods, but no, he gave the bombs to the people and made them fly in the escape <laughs> oh, pods. Oh, so fly themselves. <laughs> Everyone don't who Bye. was late for
0: their duty shift last week. I don't know how but, they do things on is Deep Space Nine. there is no Space fourth nine. shift.
2: What are you getting so mad at? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, so man. more fighting. Fighting goes on for a while. <laughs> deaths, and deaths, deaths.
2: In between an ad for a stapler.
0: Yeah, there's an ad here for a stapler. It's actually for the Unreal Tournament, and it's called Head Bloat-Off Repair Kit, also good for reattaching arms, legs, and fingers, as seen on TV. I,
3: I, I just have to say, as as a very huge gamer myself, I love there's there's a lot of game advertisements in, in this series. This is my favorite. I, I mean I played Unreal. <laughs> Do so you have it on the Dreamcast, right. Daniel? I didn't I never owned a Dreamcast, believe it or not. But uh I believe I mean, Unreal's it. fantastic.
0: Unreal's This is a two page spread, it's, it's, by the way, so they were going all out with Dreamcast they really at this point in time.
3: Which they didn't have to because it was Unreal in the early two thousands, <laughs> but um, it's it's just amazing. Like it's so silly. It's it's so funny to look back on. It's such like a snapshot.
1: Well, speaking of of, of silly, 2000s. one part we didn't talk about is that before they got captured by the the cops, right? That's what we're gonna call them. Um, you know, Sela killed. I'm hand quoting uh, a child, a, a a a space ninja, which I hate using that word, child. Um, and shot so, them with a phaser. Yes, exactly. Yes. But now after the after during the prison, you know, break, right? Don't you know prison break when you see one? Um, what happens is Picard's like. Look, out of my magical jacket from the 21st century... This stops now. I be I put it in a transporter buffer that I've never seen before in my life, the size of my palm, is the pattern of that child. Sure. And yeah. now I'm going to destroy it. <laughs> because well, But internet. he
2: didn't choose to destroy it. It lo- I thought that the, the ninja guy destroyed it. I don't know it, I really lost it here, well, in then yeah you know he was
0: very precise. well, then we find out at the end that when people are transported, they're not actually sent anywhere. they're like sent into this void. It's like transporting them into the void, which makes you think that maybe the shadow killers were upset because this doctor was creating this technology that beamed people into the void. And they, it was like the Borg incursion into fluidic space, which upset Species 8472, so they came out. <laughs> so maybe these guys were sure. coming over. They've been alerted <laughs> to our presence because we find out at the end when the like the ultimate void leader guy comes out.
2: When the, the, the guardians of Oa show up.
0: And he says that, oh, these Federation people, they're not any harm to our future plans. Everyone withdraw now. And
1: then You, you actually, actually have no honor, bye. Yeah, my favorite yeah. part is because, A, you didn't do the voice right, Chris, because that I'm is... Sorry. That, what, what font yeah, is this that we're voices. talking about for the... Uh,
2: it's not so much the font, it's the wavy, yeah, it's lying because around. Because
1: you're it. child killers, you, you are no, no enemies.
3: No. I'm like, really? <laughs> Come on, guys. This this is literally... Like, you don't need to know what Deus Ex Machina is until you read this comic. Like, oh, four four panels before the <laughs> end of the comic... A booming voice comes in and says, I will solve all of your problems and know you no longer have this conflict. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, I couldn't even believe is it this well. So
2: this is really the plot to the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, right? Because that is it. I don't know. It, uh.
1: <laughs> But yes, because they're child killers, they have been decided to be unhonorable. I don't I don't know. So anyway, well, He so comes yes. out
0: yeah. and he says, we have learned enough, which apparently they learned through four issues of fight scenes. We have learned enough. Their (laughs) beliefs are strong, but not strong enough. They flatter themselves to think that they are above us, that they would die before ever embracing the way of the void. But they are wrong. The void calls to them. It is evidenced by their willingness to imperil a child to save their own lives. This is what we needed to see. Recon mission. When we return to begin our crusade, some will fight and some will fall but most will join us. They are no threat. Withdraw. Withdraw. And, and then there's like the
1: one guy going, yeah. Wait, can't, couldn't we just defeat them now? My withdraw. Daughter. No, we really could really beat them if we just withdraw.
0: <laughs> and And they withdraw. And so, and then, then there's this moment down on the planet, on the day side of the planet, where Sella comes and she receives... A box of all of her mother's stuff that has been <laughs> With saved. photos, by the way
1: Photog- well, photographs and keep <laughs> and in mind picture of data what there's that about?
0: a there's a com badge there's a bracelet <laughs> the there's photo. a pad there's picture of data picture of her and remember this box has survived the crash of the enterprise d <laughs> and been carried on board the enterprise e by someone as well Was this in
2: data's like closet yeah, this is really Data's shrine to Tasha that he had.
0: This was in Data's secret chest that no one's allowed to open.
3: <laughs> you guys remember the, 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 in Measure of a Man, when he yes, has like this special box with all of his medals yeah. and stuff. This is where he put all this stuff in. And uh, they, t- they, they stole it from him and gave it to Sela so she could shoot it with a phaser. And ball.
0: so, Sela. Yes, shoots it with a phaser and burns everything up and says, "You won't haunt me anymore, mother. You have no power over me." Someone's None. got issues. <laughs> really?
1: <laughs> That's the weirdest thing cuz like Sela, like her fir- well, first maybe te- technically her first, but her eventual appearance when she talks with the Enterprise D crew at that time. Um on the TV show, she totally hates her mother 100%. Mother means nothing to me. I have no mother yeah. issues. She I didn't means feel nothing. like she was
2: upset about her. She just and then it's she like,
1: remember that mom you hated and who you pretty much t- killed by crying? Have her stuff. And she's like, I don't. Did, did I give you mixed signals? What's going on here?
2: This, well, see, the problem is this whole page was supposed to be an ad for deodorant. And it just they that the sponsor pulled out. The sponsor and pulled so out had, so had, it had, smells they like they teen spirit. The they had to add seven panels of this
0: other. It literally <laughs> has nothing to do. You could take out
2: this page and it would make the comic marginally better.
0: It does, because the next <laughs> page, the facing page on the right hand, is actually about the rest of the story, Yeah, it's where about they find exactly. out what was happening with the transporter technology. Yeah, Picard with is the... about to
1: assault the Bolian transporter chief, but before he can oh, do that...
0: <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, hang Rogue, on, hang Rogue on, hang shows
1: on, shows hang on. Up. time
3: out, time out. Are you telling me that the entire seven-year run of TNG, Make It So, has been a come-on line? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Now was hair hair like that before she was put in the transporter for like a day,
3: or did that? that I'm did sorry, right I'm I'm really uncomfortable with that because well, no, that really that
0: me. leads into the shampoo ad on the final page, Darren. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but 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 to close out, so you know, Picard waves his magical Wesley, hand, make it so, um, and makes his hand gesture, and then the transporter chief. You it know, was turn, a bluff. Turns the transporter, and it's the child that we thought was killed. <gasps> uh. <gasps> and then she... More she, you know. War's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. And Picard's like, it was a bluff. And then, then, then the child's like, I cannot feel the void. And, and Picard says, well, well, there, there, are, there are other things to feel. <laughs> to feel <me. laughs> we will show you. Takes <laughs> her right. by the hand, walks away, seemingly to his quarters, and the whole series ends. It's so weird, fact, it not No, it's a no, 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 no there's no, one more line of text.
3: <laughs> the last line of text is Picard saying, in fact, there is a universe of possibilities. So who knows what's going on after that?
2: Yeah, and then the next oh. one's like, what's wrong? What is worth?
0: So that's the four, comic. <laughs> I, there are a couple of like, there are a few ideas in here that I could see being fleshed out into a normal next generation television episode or film. But the comic is just so focused on ninja culture and fighting <laughs> that Wharf without a shirt. And Wharf without a shirt. It's really hard to figure out what's going on in this comic. So final thoughts on the comic and ratings. Darren, what do you think?
2: Oh gosh. Um reading it a second time with commentary, it was it was more enjoyable. The ads took me less <laughs> out of it uh because, you know, I we, they were actually fun. Uh but yeah, it's. You're right. There's just a lot of fighting, and that it doesn't. I mean, there's fighting on the Enterprise. There's fighting on. I mean, this feels like this whole episode probably could have taken place in that five minute scene before the title roll. Yeah. You know, of a normal Next Gen episode. You know, but and and I definitely feel that one frame or that one page could have been replaced with a de- deodorant ad at the end. I don't think it needed to be in this at all, but. I'm gonna give it one
0: bad cover story out of five. All right, great. How about you, Daniel?
3: Oh, um, wow. Where to start? Okay, I'm not. Um, this is literally the first, uh, like comic or or book that I've read in the Star Trek universe ever. I, I'll admit my my ignorance. I should have of given you
0: something on. better than as your introduction.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should have. Yes, you should have. Um, but um, so I don't know. Like, I don't. Which is good that you say that because it makes me assume that... This is not characteristic of most Star Trek comics. This is not characteristic of of what what I would expect. Um, But I will say, yeah, I'm very put off (laughs) by this. It seems like they take the most ridiculous and silly and uh, out of this world crazy things of comic books and just shoved Star Trek characters into it and were like... Just whatever. doesn't really matter. There doesn't have to be like a, a flow or a story or anything interesting going on. Like you said, Chris, I actually do think there are some really interesting ideas that are put forth that, that are certainly not laid out um, that might have been really good, really good stories. But we don't get that. And I mean, this this honestly, for me, this this comic is already at a huge disadvantage for having Selah in it. <laughs> but I mean, but even that like that even really didn't hurt my my ultimate score because it's so silly with space ninjas and swords and taking over the enterprise and i'm just i don't know there are some some things that i liked about it but honestly i'm gonna give it like a like only one rippling wharf muscle out of like all of the rippling wharf muscles you can have so how
0: about you philip
1: that tell was not going to be my writing. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, as you said, Chris, I, there, there's some ideas, and I'll do it very quickly. So the idea is that the Bodash, it does remind me both of the TOS episode, which I can't remember, where there's all the different aliens that each of the Enterprise members have to go through. You know, Scotty drinks the one under the table. Then it does remind me of TNG Allegiance where they kind of test um, Picard and, and all that stuff. This is about testing the members, right? Will Troy be loyal? How far does that loyalty stretch? Does Crusher believe in life? How far does that stretch? You know, what is Picard's moral choices? How far does that stretch? And so there's the testing of, well, I won't say humanity because there's also aliens, but, you know, a testing of the, the Starfleet crew. And then I think that's an interesting idea. It kind of goes away on the rails. So I will say, yes, yes, Daniel. There is much better stuff. This is this is the move along home of TNG comics. So, Maybe we should um, give
0: Daniel Avalon Rising next.
1: <laughs> but but my rating would be um, two barely dressed Shadow Rikers out of ten.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that would be a barely dressed Will Riker and a barely dressed Tom Riker, who are going to go Ooh. and kick some ninja ass there's only
2: one uniform between the two of us <laughs> now,
1: now <we're> into tr- <laughs> so each of them has like, the love each to of them has like now we're getting into like- Troy's hollow Sweet program instead of Gen <laughs> that's
0: right well I think you guys have said everything it's I mean it can be f- a fun comic just to read through but in, if it's a next generation comic I personally would like to see the ideas fleshed out a little bit more a little bit less fighting here. So I'm going to give this one, one flaming box of Tasha Yar memorabilia. (laughs) Who?
2: (laughs) Well, and again, I I don't read a lot of comics, so I'm also struck by the fact that, so I can get, you know, oh, look, there's a TNG comic, pick it up, you know, put it on my poll list. But then someone had to buy three more comics to finish the story, (laughs) like chose to do that i just no, no i just Darren, don't you know
1: how to read a comic you stand in front of the comic display okay waiting for the guy to like not see you and you're like done put it back and you walk away that's special. apparently i've been reading comics wrong thank you thank
2: you i i will take that <laughs> under advisement this isn't
1: a library
0: <laughs> well thanks for sitting in today guys and talking comics with me before i let you go philip where can people find you
1: They can fortunately slash unfortunately find all three of us each and every week on Earl Gray at Trek FM here to talking all things the next generation and mostly the good things of the next generation, but but we delve into things like this as well. Um, But they can find me on Twitter. My uh, handle there is NC Public Servant, and that's NC like North Carolina, not NC like
0: No Clothing Wharf. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Daniel.
3: Yeah, they can, of course, they can find me on, on Earl Grey as well every week. And um, as much as is in my control, which is only 33% of the time, we will not talk about Sela. <laughs> and if these guys want to bring it up, that's fine. Next on Earl I Grey. I not control what they want to bring it up. <laughs> our, our character, pro, no. Um, but if they want to find me on Twitter, I'm one up Dan, and that is the number one, not the word.
0: Great. And
2: you, Darren? They can find me on Twitter under username Sci fi That's D R, like Doctor Crusher, who will not take a life. S C I F I. And if you are interested in general science fiction, I also have a show called the Doctor Sci-Fi Show, where this month we are covering B movie science fiction. So it's it's buckle up because it's uh it's gonna be riff tastic. I think we found a story (laughs) for it.
0: (laughs) No, no, (laughs) no. I good
2: B science movies.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I had a blast talking about these comics today with Philip, Darren, and Daniel. I hope you really enjoyed the discussion as well. I know we cut up a lot more than we normally do here on the show, but, you know, when you give us that on the page, it's kind of hard not to joke your way all the way through it. But, but it was fun. And I know we gave these comics a low rating. But if you happen to cross them... Do pick them up and read through it. It is fun to see them doing something very different like that with a crew that you're familiar with. And as we said, the voices of the characters and all are pretty pretty spot on. It's just some of the other stuff that goes on. And of course, Worf's outfit. But the Killing Shadows aren't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network this past week. So here's a quick look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm,
2: Standard Orbit... And we go to the theater. I still remember this, even though I was only four.
1: I still remember this. We go to the theater, and we're watching it. And then that Klingon dog shows up on screen, and I'm like, <laughs> "What the frack is that? Get me out of here right now!" Earl Grey. He would have excellent bedside manner. Here is a joke I know. Uh, uh, <laughs> would
2: you like a Sumerian
1: sunset? It is pretty. It will
2: lift you from your terminal case of Klingon
3: uh, gout. Ah. Uh, Ah-choo! The ready room.
0: I think that she is picturing him in the en naturel division of <laughs> synchronized Women. Captain Fine. Which is not an Olympic sport, but they are considering it, it as a demonstration <laughs> sport for the Rio de Janeiro games coming up. The orb. Is it this thing like where women like bad boys or something? Does Dakot have a Harley that I don't know about?
3: Uh, I think he must. Um uh, <laughs> you know, he rides around on a Harley, uh he's he uh just breaking hearts all over the place.
0: To the journey He says, Yeah, they want me to read, they're saying it's mine if I want it, but I don't wanna do it. and she like jumps out of her chair and like shakes him. She's like, What? Are you kidding? This is Star Trek! Are you kidding? You would be made for life commentary, Trek stars.
3: I thought you were gonna do a and Braga voice. <laughs>
0: It's uh it's really hard to do a Brandon Brago voice. That's, that's pretty good. It's right gotta there. be uh, you know, it's gotta be kinda quiet.
1: Literary treks. Again, it was originally published as a scroll form and then later as a codex book, and now both in print and electronic form in the twenty fourth century. And this particular edition of it has an introduction and afterward and modern commentary by a twenty fourth century Klingon novelist named Karatak.
0: Continuing mission goal was to try to get
1: as much Trek content into people's hands and to let people explore the Trek universe with their own spaceship and build their own crew in the way they want customized and designed and just, you know, to be in your own Star Trek
0: world. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You can find them pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. We are all over the place now. We are the Jeffrey Combs of Star Trek Podcasting. We're in iTunes, on Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune. We're on Spreaker, BlackBerry, Swell, and we're on SoundCloud now also. So wherever you get your podcasts, just search for Trek.fm. And you'll find us there. You can also stream from our website and you can grab the RSS feed there and drop that into your favorite podcatcher. If you're an iTunes user, be sure to drop by our artist page where you will find all of our content, all of our shows together. It's a great way to find some of the older content on the network. We have lots of interviews. We have lots of episode discussions and character analyses. So many things for you to hear. We have almost a thousand episodes now. So it is really difficult to find older content. We try to bring it to the surface for you there on our artist page. And the quickest way for you to get there is to simply go to iTunes.com slash TrekaFilm in your browser. And that will pop it open in your iTunes application for you. Take you straight to the page. And while you're there, if you enjoy the shows, please take a moment to leave us a star rating and a written review. We love to hear from you, and it does help other fans of Star Trek books and comics find literary Treks as they search in iTunes. If you're looking for an easy way to sample all of our shows, you can also get the Treka Film Complete Master Feed. This is a new feed that we have that contains every episode of every show that we do. So if you listen to all of our shows and you don't want to jump around to different feeds constantly in your podcasting application, you can get the complete master feed and just go right to the next show, next episode, regardless of which show it comes from. It's also a great way to sample other shows that you may not have heard before. You'll find that in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Swell, and other places. So just look for it there. Now, I would love to hear from you about today's show, chat with you about Star Trek books and comics, or anything about Star Trek that you want to talk about. We can even talk about Daniel's love of Sela. You can send us an email by going to our website at TrekAutofilms/contact. There's a form there. Just choose to send to a show and choose Literary Treks, and that will come to both Matthew and me by email. You can also find us on Twitter. Our username is trekfm. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. On Google+, Plus, we have a community. Just search Plus Communities for trek.fm and you'll find us. We have forums at trek.fm slash forums. You can send us a voicemail through the website. We have so many ways for you to contact us. And we would love to hear your voice as well. If you want to find Matthew on Twitter, his username is MattRushing02. And if you'd like to find me on Twitter, my username is jones, the letter C, and Brian with a Y. And Twitter is my favorite place to chat. So send me a message there. I will reply to you. I would like to talk to you. Elsewhere on the network, you can find Matthew and me on another show that we do together, The Orb, which is all about Deep Space Nine. You can also find me on Warp 5, where I talk Enterprise, on Matterstream, where I talk about the world inspired by Star Trek, Hyper Channel, where I bring you Star Trek news each day, Continuing Mission, where I interview the people who create fan series and independent productions. And then, of course, there's The Ready Room, which I host with other hosts from all across the network every single week. And we talk about news in all five live-action Star Trek series there. Before I let you go, I would like to remind you about our sponsor for today's show, Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible. And you will really be helping us keep literary treks coming to you just by that simple act. Go to audibletrial.com slash film and try it out today. Choose any book that you want, absolutely free. I recommend Prime Directive, which I told you about during news today, but it could be anything. And if at the end of the trial you decide not to stick with Audible, there's nothing to lose. You get to keep that audiobook, but I know you're going to want to stick with them. If you love podcasts, there is nothing better than audiobooks. I've been getting audiobooks from Audible for 14 years now. I have a huge collection. I was just listening to some earlier today as I was working. And I'd love for you to try them as well. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekafilm. And we really thank Audible for their support of Literary Treks and the network. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the discussion with the Earl Grey crew. Big thanks to Philip, Daniel, and Darren for sitting in for Matthew this week and helping me out. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.